0: God has visited us, now let us go that we may sacrifice or serve and worship the Lord our God. You see this picture, he's visited for the purpose of delivering so that his people can worship, serve him. Chapter four, again, God's saying to Moses, you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son. Israel is my son, my for- firstborn. Verse 23 goes on to say, "So I say to you, let my son go. Let my son go that he may serve me." Again, God visits, he gives the message to Moses, and Moses takes the message, it's the message of deliverance that they might serve. Verse 31 again says in chapter 4, And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Now the children of Israel have heard the good news. Hey, God has visited us. He's come to deliver us. Now is the time for the deliverance, sort of in the fullness of time, if you will. Now is the time. And the people rejoiced and they worshipped God. Chapter 5, verse 1 of Exodus Let my people go. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. So God sends Moses before Pharaoh. He is the deliverer with the message, let my people go, deliver, let them go, that they might worship me and serve me. Verse three, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. He's visited us and let us go, deliverance, and that we might sacrifice to the Lord, worship. Again, this theme being resplendent throughout all of the front end of Exodus, the whole purpose, God has visited, he has seen, and now he has come to deliver so that they can worship the Lord. That really is the message of the gospel. This is the message of God. This is This is in type the story of the coming of Christ. And we'll look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 in just a few moments. God has sent his son. God has visited us. Why? That he might deliver us. Why? So that you and I could worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. So let's turn to the New Testament Let's look at the account. We'll look at Dr. Luke's account, if you will, in Luke chapter 1. And as you're turning there, if you've not already turned, I will mention that we're probably going to cut today's service a little bit short. Can I get a boo-hoo? boo-hoo. Because the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> it's changing on us. It's, there's freezing rain coming down. There's white stuff all over the ground. And uh, so we're going to go and we're going to look. Our children may join us. uh, And I've invited the kids. There's a handful of children in the children's church and in the nursery. They may come down and join us. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the providence of Galatia, he records for us in his letter to the churches of the providence of Galatia. We have it recorded for us in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Says this, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. It goes on to say, God sent forth his son born of a woman. This is the incarnation. God took on flesh, God became man. He was born of a woman. Focus on that phrase, in the fullness of time. This is, in our economy of scales, this is Anno Domini. This is the year of our Lord. It's year one, the birth of Christ. He marks the ethnos of humanity back to creation. It's been 4,000 years of humanity. And God says, in the fullness of time, he sent his son. Just like in the book of Exodus, there had been foretold 400 years and God would send his deliverer. God had promised an ultimate deliverer. And it would happen on God's time scale. And so he says, in the fullness of time. And so, Dr. Luke, let's... Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you look at verse 5, it says this. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the division of Abijah, His wife was the daughter of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. We're introduced to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias was a Levite, and his family was of the family of Abiah or Abijah. Elizabeth, his wife, was also a Levite. She is of the daughters of Aaron. And the scripture tells us and goes on to tell us they were blameless in relationship to the commandments and the ordinances of God. But, verse eight, excuse me, verse seven says, they had no child. It says, because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. If you read the King James Version of the Bible, it says, They were stricken with years. They were beyond the years of having children. In this day, barrenness was even cause for divorce because of a reproach. And so we see that Zacharias loved his wife for he did not divorce her. He is a man of faith and he prays and they pray. And there's an earnestness about that prayer that they would have a child, that they would have a son or a daughter. Well, it goes on to say, so it was while he was serving in, uh, serving as priest before God in the order of his division. In those days, families would serve for 30 days in the temple. And it was according to their division or according to their family, they would go and serve in the temple. So Zacharias goes to the temple and he is doing his service unto the Lord. And the lots are cast and his assignment is to burn incense before the altar of the Lord. The burning of incense is representing the prayers of the people. And so Zechariah would take a censer and he would take coals from the altar and then he would put incense on them and he would wave them before the Lord. And the sweet smelling aroma that would rise is a picture of the prayers of the saints that go and rise before the Lord. The scripture reminds us in the Old Testament this is a sweet smelling aroma before the Lord. And it is a picture for us to know. Will you know this today? Just like that incense rising before the Lord is a sweet-smelling aroma, it is representing our prayers. Your prayers and my prayers are sweet to the Lord. They're sweet to the Lord. Can I let you know that you are not bothering God when you pray? God is longing for that communication with us. I think that's awesome. God loves us. Praise God. Now. It says in verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people, they were praying outside at the hour of incense. Verse 11 Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Can I get an amen? All of us could identify with that. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, this is an encouragement to me. God loves when we pray, it's a sweet smelling aroma, and our prayers are without end. They keep coming before the Lord. Zacharias, he's stricken in age. Elizabeth is stricken in age, and they have been praying for a son. We don't know how many days they've been praying, but you can only imagine from the time that they got married until the time of this day, they have desired and they have prayed. And God shows up. The angel of the Lord shows up. We'll discover in just a few moments that this is Gabriel, and he stands in the presence of the throne of God. He sees God face to face. And he says, Zacharias, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. And he's about to answer it. He says, your wife will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. Well, it says, and you will have joy and gladness, verse 14, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias, now keep in mind, Zacharias is had this prayer, he's been praying. He's probably demonstrated great faith, and now when the angel of God shows up, he begins to question. His, he might have little faith. Anybody here, after you've prayed for a while, have a little faith? You're just like, well, I don't know, God. I don't see how you can do it now. And so our faith is challenged. And so he says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. That must have been something. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time we redirected to the people who are waiting. And the scripture says, and the people waiting for Zacharias marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Why is he in there so long, they're wondering? He's having a communion with Gabriel who stands in the presence of God getting this absolutely divine information. And it says in verse 22, but when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. And now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach from among the people." Will you flip over with me to, let's go to verse 57. 57 then says, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard of how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. It was the custom when there was the time of a delivery in those days that the whole community would come out. The ladies would all come to the house. They would bring things. They were ready to celebrate. It has been said traditionally that if it was a son who broke the womb first, there would be great elation. However, if it was a female, they'd kind of pack up their bags and head home. (laughs) The culture. So, here we have. It's a beautiful picture says on the eighth day, verse 59, that they came to circumcise the child. This is according to the law. Remember, they were blameless according to the law. The Levitical law required seven days of cleansing, and on the eighth day, they would bring and present the child, and the boy child would be circumcised on that day. His mother answered when they asked him, what will we call him? And she says, his name will be John. He'll be called John. And the people said, whoa, 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 back up you don't have anyone in your family named John. They were supposing that he would be named after his father, Zacharias. She said, no, his name is John. And so they went to Zacharias and they said, what will you call his name? And he motioned to them and said, bring me something to write with. And he writes on the piece of paper, his name is John. His name is John. A statement of faith demonstrated by Zacharias. And immediately his mouth was loosed. Immediately, his mouth was loosed, and he praised God. The first words out of his mouth, he hasn't spoken for more than nine months, and the first words out of his mouth were worshiping God. Powerful. The scripture goes on to say, verse 67, Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. The prophecy is not about John, his son, initially. Rather, it is focusing on God's fulfillment of his promises to his children. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, For he has visited and redeemed his people. He has visited. This is the fulfillment of the ultimate that God would come. You and I know the story. We've been exposed to the prophets and the words of the prophets for years earlier. Some 750 years possibly plus or minus. The prophet Isaiah says, I will give you, or the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a child. And his name, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. just want to pause for a moment and grasp the levity of what is being said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. The impossibility of this cannot be misunderestimated. It's my new word for the day. It cannot be misunderestimated, it is miraculous. The probability of this happening is like the probability of you one day in the future waking up in the morning and sliding to the edge of your bed and placing your feet upon the ceiling and walking upside down on your ceiling. You say, well, that would never happen. Exactly. It's a miracle. God intervened. God stepped in on the scene. He transcended this temporal world, and he brought forth. He sent his son to redeem his people. Now, let's back up in the story for a moment, because something magnanimous happens with another female in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Will you turn back with me to verse 26 of chapter 1 in Dr. Luke's account? It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. I'd like to pause here for just a moment. David's throne in the royal line had already been cut off because of one of the royal kings of David's line, Jeconiah. The prophet Jeremiah said he would be childless on the throne. This is a fascinating reality and a fascinating difficulty, but we would note that Jesus does not follow the royal line. He follows the bloodline. The bloodline is through the son Nathan after Solomon, Solomon's son Nathan, and it's through Nathan that we find that Mary's father, Heli, was a sonless father, and as a result, an amazing story in the book of Exodus comes to reality for us. You'll have to check that on your own, or you'll have to spend a little bit of time before we get to the story of Zaholah Fahad. But Zeholafahad had daughters and not sons. And they complained to Moses. And their complaint was simply this. It's not fair that our father will not receive an inheritance when we move into the promised land. For he has no sons to carry his father's name. And Moses listened and took the matter before the Lord. And the Lord responded to Moses. Zeholafahad's daughters are right. Therefore, they will receive inheritance if they marry within their own tribe. And there are no sons. If there are daughters, the daughters will carry the name. And therefore, we discover the bloodline through Mary is legal rights to the throne of David. And God supersedes a curse that had been placed upon the royal bloodline. And Jeconiah, who was fatherless on the throne. It's a fascinating work of God, miraculous even to this. But it says... Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son and is in her old age and is now in the 6th month of for her who was called barren for with God nothing will be impossible Will you say that with me this morning with God nothing will be impossible then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The next portion of Scripture tells us that Mary goes to be with Elizabeth for three months. She's in her sixth month. This is in accordance with the custom that family members would come in celebration. And so she goes to Elizabeth, verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city or to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I love this. She's filled with the Holy Spirit just like her husband had been filled with the Holy Spirit. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied. When she's filled with the Holy Spirit, she prophesies. And she prophesies that the one who is in the womb is in fact her Lord which is a reference to the messiahship of the one who is in her womb. The Holy Spirit making these declarations. How powerful. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed are you, Mary, because you believe, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord so she prophesies the next few verses refer to Mary's song and her praise and worship at the tail end of it it says he has helped his servant Israel in remembering or in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever again this prophesying and this telling forth that God is now answering The promise that he declared to Abram, his servant and friend forever, was now coming to fulfillment. It is in the fullness of time. Zacharias continues in this prophecy, and we come to verses 74 and 75. And again, he has come. It says in 68 he has visited and redeemed his people visited us and redeemed us. Why? Verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our life. I want to encourage you today. God sent his only begotten son. In fact, the scripture tells us in John's account, John's account of the gospel, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the only begotten of the Father. We beheld full of grace and truth. He's visited us, and the purpose is that we might serve that our sins would be forgiven, that we might worship. This is that Romans 12, 1 and 2 kind of stuff. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord, for this is your reasonable service. It is your reasonable worship. It's a picture for us what worship in God's eyes really is. It's how we live, how we live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our lives, living sacrifices. It's our spiritual worship. And he says, before him all the days of your lives, and it will to serve him without fear, Can I say that again? Without fear. Some of us seek to do righteousness because of fear. Sometimes it's fear of getting caught. Sometimes it's just simply fear. I don't want to be caught doing the wrong thing, so to speak. I want to encourage you. That's not the kind of fear he's referring to. You and I, we need not live in fear. God loves us. God is for us. God desires to have fellowship with us. And he says that we might worship him in holiness and righteousness. I want to encourage you this morning, quickly before we go a little further, holiness is really the attitude of our heart and our minds in this place of imagination, holiness, doing what's right there, doing what's right here and doing what's right here, holiness. And out of holiness proceeds right behavior, right living, righteousness. They both have at the root rightness, one is simply the attitude or the disposition of the heart, The other is our actions that are a byproduct, if you will. I want to encourage you this morning. It's not just doing righteousness. That that leads to a pharisaical kind of living. Holiness, holiness. We used to sing that worship song, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. I want to encourage every one of us this morning. Holiness. Oh, that we would long for holiness for it is what we need, for out of holiness the byproduct of righteousness comes. Okay, God has visited us. He has visited us to deliver us, to redeem us, that we might worship, serve, and sacrifice unto him. Well, let's go a step further. You see, Mary has received this. She's gone to Elizabeth's house. She stays for three months until the time the child is to be born. And she heads home. We pick up in chapter 2 in Luke, and this is the birth of the Christ child, the Messiah, Jesus. It says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went forth or went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The time came as they were in Bethlehem, the city of David, because Joseph's lineage was of the house of David. There was no room for them in the inn and so there they were in the manger and it was time for the baby to be born and Christ Came forth, God incarnate. The scripture goes on to tell us Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The greatest gift ever given. I shared this past Friday on the radio. The greatest gift ever given. Every gift at Christmas, I know because I wrapped a few gifts from my late Christmas shopping yesterday. And I know that when a gift is wrapped, historically, a tag is put on the gift, and it's the to and the from. Who does this go to, and who is it from? The greatest gift ever given, the prophet Isaiah tells us the card, who it is to. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The greatest gift ever given was addressed to you and to me. Thanks be to God. The scripture tells us here that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 9, the first five verses, tell us also that he would come and remove the gloom. That this light that would be seen in Zebulun and Naphtali is is fulfilled in Matthew chapter four and verse 14. That it would break through the gloom and the doom. And I would remind each one of us the gift that was given to you and I, this Christmas story, this Christmas narrative, this Christmas reality, God gave his son. It's for you and I and if you are under a cloud of gloom and doom, where you're in a place where it's dark and it's hard, that his light will shine through. He is, he is the gloom remover. He's also a great light giver. This, He is wrapped in great light. They have seen a great light. He's also the one who is able to increase our joy. He is increasing the joy. Why? You can read about what was happening with the people that were living in Naphtali. And we know 750 years later that they were still in bondage and captivity, but they were being delivered spiritually at this time. And so this increasing joy, thanks be to God, he removes the bondage He can deliver and give great joy for you and I. And ultimately, this great freedom. So this marvelous wrapping that is wrapped in this child who is now in the swaddling clothes. Well, it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, That the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now, or let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be out on the hills of Bethlehem watching sheep when the whole countenance of the sky changes and the glory of the Lord shines and the angel makes this declaration? And then the angels of God join the one angel. And they declare glory to God in the highest. I wonder what that conversation was like. I wonder which one of the shepherds broke forth first. So, uh, fellas, let's go to Bethlehem. This is going to be amazing. What would that be like? Did they run? They made haste and they bolt down into the city of Bethlehem, this community, and they find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they came with haste found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. I want to encourage us this morning. You're here this morning. I trust your faith is in Christ. You're believing God. Your faith is in Jesus. God's provision that our sins would not be counted against us. If you don't know the Lord today or you're away from the Lord today, we encourage, would encourage you today. Will you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life? The greatest decision I made some 33 years ago that I'll ever make was to invite Jesus into my life to forgive me of my sins. I was born again. My name is written in God's book in heaven. I know where I'm going and I know whom I will see. And the Bible says the gift is for you. It is the grace of God through faith, your faith exercised in what God provided for us. Will you invite Jesus? If you're away from the Lord today, will you renew your heart? Will you renew your commitment and your covenant with him, inviting him to fill you fresh with his spirit, which he will do, and that we would walk in the power of the spirit of God, that we might be in response like these shepherds when they were visited by these angels, when the angels departed from them, they said, let's go, let's go and see. We'd invite every follower of Jesus really to come and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Come and see that we might go and tell. What did they do? They went, they found Mary and Joseph, they saw the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, God's Messiah, the Christ child, and absolutely captivated by God's promise being fulfilled, Messiah has come, they went out and made widely known. They made widely known the things concerning this child. Can I encourage everyone here, everyone listening this morning on Facebook Live, all of us, if your faith is in Jesus today, this is our assignment. For he said, go, make disciples of all peoples, teaching them to obey all these things that I have taught. Folks, that's our assignment. Just like the shepherds, we are to go and tell. You know what I love about the shepherds? I don't ever hear a shepherd here saying, well, I I don't know what to say. Oh, I'm not prepared to do that. Well, I'm a little afraid. They were so excited, so captivated, and so enamored with what God had done, they had to go tell someone. I want to encourage you this morning to be renewed in the Christmas story. God sent his only begotten son. He said, For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That's our assignment, to let people know God didn't come to condemn. Oh, he could have. He certainly could have. You can look out in society today and you could assess and say he certainly could have come to condemn but he hasn't he's come to save he said that he has come to seek and to save the lost oh that we might be inspired like the shepherds with God's Christ God's Messiah That we would be compelled to tell everyone we know about Jesus. Well, the scripture goes on to say, it says, verse 20 of chapter 2, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They moved speedily, They made speech, in other words, they evangelized, and they magnified sincerely. There's your three-point sermon. (laughs) Moved speedily, made speech, and magnified sincerely. God has visited us, the greatest gift ever given. May we be encouraged today. There's much more of this story. We could go into Matthew chapter 2 and we can be reminded. We could read chapter 1 and the whole account given in just a handful of verses. And then in chapter 2, how the magi from the east came to offer their gifts. The shepherds had already been. Then the magi come. They come into the city of Jerusalem and they make a big stir. And they said, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? They inquired of the elders of the children of Israel, and they said, well, it will be in Bethlehem, and they make their way to present their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Who were these wise men? Of course, we sing the Christmas song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. It wasn't three kings, that's just the song, and that's because there were three gifts, and so it sort of fit together. The entourage was so large that the whole city of Jerusalem was turned upside down. What is this? Who is this child that they're saying born king of the Jews? We could take time this morning and look back at where they're from. They're from Persia, king makers from Persia. We would discover that they have this information and the star which shine and shone and went before them into the city of Bethlehem. We would discover in our study if we took time that this goes all the way back to the prophet Daniel. And Daniel who was made what is known as the Rab Mag. He was the head of the Magi. And Daniel was given information because of his position and understanding of God and God's word in his people, that God was sending his deliverer. And so it's quite plausible that Daniel is the one who initiated these kingmakers some 500 years later. It's powerful. It's a marvelous story. And you and I have this marvelous opportunity to worship him without fear in holiness and in righteousness and make widely known the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this Christmas, as you celebrate with your family, will you worship the Lord just as we saw Mary worship God, just as we saw Elizabeth worship God, just as we saw Zacharias worship God? Can we also, like the shepherds, worship the Lord? Can we make widely known Amen? Amen. Amen.